Hello and welcome back to Blacker Couch Reviews. I'm your host, Christina. We're back to discuss True Detective Season 4, Part 5, written by an array of writers in the writing room. Katrina Albright, Winona Wilms, Chris Mundy, and Issa Lopez. Directed once again by Miss Lopez. I thought this was a good episode. It became, though... A really good episode towards the end and I feel as if the Peter the Peter Hank scenario was probably the most holistic arc thus far that led to the moment that was as shocking as it was almost poetic mainly because both characters had to double down on who they were and how that affects their relationship going forward, even if that involves cleaning up the brain matter of the other off of Liz Danvers' kitchen floor. Before we jump into the recap, wherever you listen to this podcast, wherever good podcasts can be found, go down to the rating section, drop some stars, leave a review. My social media will be there as well. Like, share, subscribe. If you want to send feedback for the finale, which I will be dropping on Saturday, pretty sure I said Saturday. I know everyone else has already watched it, but at least we'll be within the same week. So if you want to send the feedback for that, blackercouch at gmail.com, or you can leave your comments below. Our episode begins with a cremation, which is the cremation of Julia. Are you are you a fan of this method or are you a fan of burial? It's a question. I know my mother certainly wants to be buried, but I definitely want to be cremated. <laughs> Even watching this experience hadn't changed my mind of what it all entails was more fascinated than anything else. While there is limited interactions between the indigenous and Navarro, at least they have kept all the supporting cast, the representation of the culture that resides in Ennis. So while I do wish there was a little bit more of a connective tissue as if they had known each other for however many years, but that's also a question I don't know if is clarified at all how long she has been in Ennis and how integrated has she become or has she simply been seen as other and never integrated. They're all really great questions that are still lingering that I don't think are going to be given its full weight for me at least to my satisfaction, before the series ends. Liz questions Otis in the hospital or a rehab center. He didn't know the men at Salal, but Clark found him wanting to know how he survived his injuries, to which he replies, does it look like I have? In his own words, from someone who would know, he was a crazy motherfucker. And I don't know what the fuck this kid's doing. I'm kind of sad I couldn't find the actor 
that played Otis because I feel like he needs a shout out for how how authentically he played a strung out uh, individual. Everything about his dialogue to <laughs> how indifferent he was to the situation and what his only goal was, that felt very organic. And I've been watching a lot of shows recently, particularly the documentaries, not shows, on the drug epidemic in certain places in the United States. And he he gave an award-winning performance because that man, like even when he sees a standoff going on, I don't know what the fuck's happening, but I'm out of here. <laughs> I don't know. I just, I, I, I really, really thought his performance was essential to, to why it would be so easy to bump him off. He said that Clark kept mentioning she's awake. He got his wounds after the events of a cave-in. Some men were trapped in the ice, so he and others set off to get help only to run into a blizzard. It feels like deja vu is happening, right? We got people running off into the ice. We got people who've died possibly from some type of cave-in or snow avalanche or whatever the hell, because that's what happens when you're out in the Alaskan wild, something I would never consider because I'd be dead within a second, just 90 seconds off the plane somehow I've managed to kill myself the men followed that or that they followed the sound of the wind and some howling sounds and despite his efforts to stop them continued next thing he knew he was in the hospital I do love the play of the supernatural and realism it surrounds many adventures such as the people who died on Mount Everest like when I say adventures, I mean, expeditions is the word I think I was looking for there. Because that happened on the, I want to say it's Dyatlov Pass, but that feels wrong, but it also feels close to right. But yeah, they, they had their clothes not where they were supposed to be. It looked like they came out of their tents. They were terrified like this very much mirrors what happened to the Salal men, but they are throwing this other, this other haunting within, but the haunting is happening to the characters that's investigating this very human issue, which is the murder of Annie Kotak and how that relates to what happened to these individuals. In the words of the wise, Druid's magic comes from mother nature and from firsthand experience, I can tell you now she's an absolute bitch. Shut up, bitch. That's why you won't see me trying to climb any mountains or jump out of any planes or, you know, that's not necessarily the same thing. I get that, but I'm not into those type of activities where my chances of, and I have to actually legally sign away my, (laughs) 
it is someone else's responsibility for making me do the dumb thing that I'm about to do. That That's always a caveat in the insurance. They're like, look, you can live your life. Just know as we take you to jump out of this plane legally, we're not responsible. Back to the show, his injuries, Otis's that is, seem to be a result of man versus wild. And the aftermath is a man addicted to heroin. Liz gets him to show him on the map where the caves are. However, he warns the ice is too thin and she can't go alone. When she tells him in a couple of days, he will show them. He offers to help now if she too will offer him some assistance. Now, as I was saying, uh, drugs are bad. You shouldn't do drugs. Uh, if you do them, you're bad because drugs are bad. Okay. She returns to the truck where Evangeline has her sister's ashes locked. She returns to the truck where Evangeline has her sister's ashes locked in a seatbelt. And at least Liz offered to talk about it. But Eve declines for her. She seems to have a goal right now. But what happens in the aftermath of that? Because all season long, she she has been trying to outrun a desire or what she feels is a curse to, to follow the voices like everyone else in her family. But that she may find some level of peace there that she's not that she's not finding on this earthly plane and that's concerning because I really like Evangeline Pryor's bag is packed by Kayla who tells him I don't want to beat a dead horse. I've made my feelings known about her characterization. I think they wrote a very crappy representation of an abandoned spouse raising a child. It failed because all she came off as is unlikable and frigid. I did read in, I think it was a Times article. No, it definitely wasn't Times. I wouldn't have been able to get past the, do you want to get a subscription? It had to be someone else's recap. So I apologize for not giving credit where credit's due, but they made a point of Pryor's comment while they were in bed. Like he was trying to pass off his own, his own uh, bad behavior by saying, well, you just didn't want to get... Basically, he was, uh, what's the word you call it? Gaslighting her. And I did not at all get that sense. And I certainly know what that feels like on a very personal level. So if they were, once again, trying to indicate that, that was not at all built into, they don't have any chemistry and, and this whole, we don't even go to couples therapy. You just going to pack my bag and tell me don't come home. Not allow me to say goodbye to my son who may ask where his father is. 
because that is point blank selfish no matter what's going on between you two do not get between the child's relationship and the parent's relationship especially if they're not being you know they're not a a unfit parent prior is not unfit just feels like the last couple of weeks his mind has not been where you want it to be and i think that you're response kind of highlights your own immaturity and maybe that's a part of their relationship i would have accepted the comment from the bedroom 10 times better and they tried to work on it in the back half with the whole leah and prior conversation and it still didn't work the cave is on silver sky property, finally bringing us back to the mine, which is the connective tissue to these arcs, but has, in my opinion, become slightly lost in the happenings. But where we've always known this was heading. So you are burying your lead just a bit, but I do understand it. Eve asks about Leah. Liz reveals that while Leah has a girlfriend and has become caught up in the radicalization movement to remove the mind, Liz knows what she is doing, the, the morality behind it. You got the right message there, but you're still a minor in my care and I can't allow you to get caught up in things where you can actually be physically and as what happened to her, be physically harmed. It's like when you were seeing the Black Lives Matter protests during the pandemic and you remember that one black mother who came and dragged her black son back off the streets because it wasn't so much that, no, I don't not believe that this is something worth fighting for but your ass need to be in school and not skipping it because <laughs> this is what your role is in society right now that's exactly where liz is with leah so i'm not only a side <laughs> even if leah is pointing out things to liz that she does need to listen to that's what Liz's issue is. She's not validating her concerns. Even when she knows that they are, they are real concerns as she admits to Evangeline in the car. Like when she says, you know, the water shit. Yeah, I know. I know. When they get to the cave, it's clear someone blew up the entrance to prevent any investigating causing Eve to snap. Fucking bullshit, fucking bullshit, fucking bullshit. Holy shit, oh Granted, she's been fraying at the seams from the minute we met her. The police are there to protect this, this mind that is killing the children. And here is Eve in the middle of it because they are called, what are they called, the APF? Forced to fight for, or at least to protect the, the corporation that is corrupt against her own people when they protest. 
If you've not seen God's Country, I need y'all to go out there and see that movie because that has a very similar theme. Which is exactly what happens at the demonstration while Hank croons an impressive tune. Because this is one of the episodes where they used, I think, the music the least. So this stood out to me. And it was the only moment where I was like, damn. Hank got talent. I don't like Hank at all, but I definitely felt something when Pryor is standing outside listening to this man talk about how life is just depressing and not worth living and all the thing, all the negative aspects of what it means to live without notating any of the positive things because he hasn't found value in those things, which is tragic since you have a son and that's the most valuable thing you could have is the flesh of your flesh, the blood of your blood, something you bring up, but have never actually stood for in the manner that matters. In that same article I was reading as another aside, there was mention of why prior would be what was the word they use cult of personality around Liz. We know why. And I think it was very clear from the beginning of this show. When this was when they were reviewing episode, the last episode I was on. So four. And I, I don't know how that was missed. I thought that was something very clearly they did the work for that the two women have a past that has a past <laughs> around the Wheeler case. I got that despite the fact that the word on the street is they hate each other. Liz very much has kept her distance from Navarro to protect Navarro. She sees her as someone who has a lot of the heart, a lot of the passion that she probably had at one point in time that made her and makes her so good at her job. And she's kind of re retapping back into that energy of who she used to be, which is why a lot of the events that are happening are causing her to have a lot of knee jerk reactions because it's like coming out of a certain numbness into feeling and to feel means to be vulnerable into getting to hurt. And when people lose or experience trauma, they do have a choice. They can crawl within themselves and become this person that isn't good at loving people or showing people that they love them. Hank, so there's symmetry there between these three people. That's why I said that I think the Hank factor with that whole arc is one of the best of the show because it's very consistent. It's very strong. I think it was laid out nicely and well paced. I picked up on all what was not there. And the yeah, they didn't treat me like other shows where they would have to show me every single thing for me to be able to put that together. So yeah, I, I really loved how they were mirroring those two from the very beginning, 
when they go into Salal and you have Hank over there on his phone and casual and different and you have Liz over here who's intent and even though she wants to be dismissive there's more there there's a duty there with her so prior of course as I explained last episode missing a a mother figure in his life missing a mentor figure in his life being people who grow up abused and they actually come out of that abuse with a soul do have a tendency to get into positions where they are helping other people. I think that's why Pryor cares so much about this case. All of that is again, why I don't understand Kayla's response. All of that, that that's not a cult of personality around Liz. It's, what has brought all of these elements together that are going to lead to some type of irreversible change in these people's lives due to what happens or what happened beginning with Annie Kay, which his father was a part of. So that I thought I thought they that was pretty well-conceived and well-presented. Back to the show. Both men are pretending. He calls him and admits he needs a place to crash, not admitting he's on his front porch. He acts like he's working on his car and not depressing in the blues. And I feel bad for Pryor because he has to think, how do I avoid being this lonely, broken person knowing that he is only a product of what and that's probably what his excuse but being a product of something doesn't mean you don't have a choice it's a it's certainly a reason it's never an excuse one of my friends told me I was cruel to say it but I feel if you are a person that gets the urge or desire or have the feelings to harm other people and you don't get help for that That's on you. It doesn't matter that you'll be stigmatized. You're trying to stop yourself from not doing the thing that you want to do, which is what a lot of us have to deal with on a daily basis. (laughs) You've just maybe had ABCD making you more susceptible to those things. So you need more help. And if you honestly can't get help, nothing is going to help you then the only person you should kill is yourself because that's the only person that you would harm in that scenario. And that may be callous, but it's, it's the, the pendulum, right? And that pendulum is always going to be the path of least harm. At the protest, Eve's just trying to keep Law and order sees Annie K. A bottle comes crashing on her helmet. When she turns around, it's Leo with that, oh shit, busted look on her face. And due to her actions, because she just threw a bottle at an officer, she is accosted, not by the hair, but it's a protest, 
by another officer who starts beating her with a nightstick. Her girlfriend, who was down to clown until shit got real, because that's what some do when they want to be quote-unquote woke, can click-clack on every type of social media platform with all your ideas and speaking on behalf of something, but when it's time to walk the shoes, walk in the shoes of the oppressed, all of a sudden you ain't no fucking where, all right? Most of the woke people are just that. They want to seem like they're a part of by doing absolutely nothing except (laughs) creating more problems. Now, if you really want to get educated, one, you don't need to tell yourself to be woke because woke was never meant for you. It's been like everything else that's cool. Black people said it has been co-opted, right? It was meant to be. It was a language between black Americans. And now that it's out of our hands, I no longer even black Americans no longer dissociate with that fucking word. That's the crazy. That's most people use the word woke or white people and conservatives. Navarro stops the beating, but then ends up fighting her coworker (laughs) while everyone was watching it. Like it was a UFC match. And I got to say, to be fair, in the officer's defense, I wouldn't have known that Leah was a fucking kid because she looks like a grown ass woman. There's no way I would have been like, oh, that's a kid. No one else was coming to help her. What about your, 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 your protest friends? Not only did your girlfriend run away, but no one else seemed to be assisting you in that moment. But everyone was was cool watching the the boxing match I wasn't that cool with that scene (laughs) when everyone was just standing around watching Leah get beat (laughs) that didn't seem realistic (laughs) Connelly calls Liz as chief of police to get to Kate's office because she's upset now fuck that bitch fuck that bitch fuck that bitch fuck that bitch He will be there too, which causes Liz concern. She's like, what the fuck is going on? Hearing from Navarro what Leah has been up to, she demands that she brings her in to be booked. And I'm like, yeah, nah, sometimes people need to learn life lessons. Because if I was in chief of police, what do you think would have happened? And I let you off the first time when this was supposed to be your, your fucking, your fucking punishment. And then you went out and did something else. Nah, she is not being harsh here. She is letting her face the consequences of her own actions and not for once allowing her the privilege of her position that she doesn't understand is privileged. My thing is Leah is here smelling her own shit, accusing Navarro out of all people of effectively working for the wrong side, but because she's, 10 and only seeing things in black and white Eve for once is empathizing with Liz on raising someone who doesn't understand all the factors and living in this naive world where your feelings just are meant to be always 
reacted upon, which earns her being called pig as well. I'm about to whip somebody's ass. Oh, I'm about to whip somebody's ass. Oh, if you don't leave me alone. Once again, proving kids are shit because did I not just risk my career beating someone up in front of everybody? Stopped your ass from getting beat with a nightstick and you want to call me the enemy? Get the fuck out of my face. Fucking kids. Leah asked if Pryor knew what was going on about Leah's activities. Apparently, some illegal activities are going on <laughs> somewhere in the neighborhood. So all I hear is sirens. He demurs, then gives her the evidence she needs to collect, connect. Salal to the mine, which may be pushing out, probably is, bogus pollution numbers for them to keep it running. Although anyone with a brain can see the water is polluted. She gives him the praise he so deserves and desires and offers condolences on his divorce, even though it's only a separation. I shouldn't have laughed at that, but that's fucking hilarious. (laughs) Because that's me. Like, okay, I understand you two really liked each other. There may be love. There's certainly a baby. But I don't think the marriage thing is going to work out if this is the first reaction to anything going down. (laughs) That's also why he didn't ask to move in with her, which I really thought was going to be the initial request person he would request to stay with. But he, he correctly guessed if he did, he'd certainly be getting divorce papers. Pryor and Leah have a conversation and I kind of fell asleep. The heart to heart with Liz and Eve was better as she knows homegirl is not okay. But since they both don't like oversharing, they simply don't. It's the first time we see them kind of be a family, really. She's fielding calls, protecting her from beating up the guy that beat Leah, who is now in the hospital and suspended. (laughs) She's trying to give her advice about being a parent. Come on, you ain't really going to leave her in there. Well... I am because she's doing this just to piss me off, despite the fact that she swears she's not. Liz tells her she needs to know how vulnerable she is. And because your mom is chief, you coasting on that. Connerly and Kate have truly brought Liz in not to discuss the protests, but to question why she and Navarro were on their property at the cave that they blocked When she lays out her reasoning, causing Kate to blanch when she hears the name Otis, she's then disregarded, told her case is a weather event because Anchorage has deemed that they died due to a slab avalanche. Everything could be explained away very easily. And I'm not not disagreeing with their prognosis i just think something led up to them dying in said fashion 
like I said previously, there are supernatural things happening, but those supernatural things happening seem to be happening only to our main characters, particularly the two women dealing with unresolved trauma stemming from a lot of loss in their childhood and very recently. So while certainly it's still possible that she could be some some type of vengeful spirit that came after them, there's nothing to say that the events were not one and the same. <laughs> you know? Like, it could have been an avalanche, but that's not what they they saw when they were dying. Or the avalanche came and they were dying. Or something more akin to what I believe. Uh, they they had something to do with the murder of Annie Kay. And then that somehow led to what happened to them because they said the generator went out last episode. And I don't know why you would say the generator went out, like the power was cut if you were just saying this was supernatural, right? Because ain't no ghost being like, let me just cut the power real quick. No, a ghost <laughs> would just do its thing. It doesn't need to be mystique <laughs> driven. It's just going to haunt, right? Am I the only one that thinks that? But I also think that the spirit, if there is a vengeful spirit, which I think there is, is playing mental anguish with uh, possibly Clark and others and Ennis when it wants to. It maybe comes out when it's night. Liz brings up the connection between Salah and the mind being bankrolled as a conflict of interest. But Kate tries once again to brush it off until Liz points out her husband wasn't the greatest lay. Oh, I knew it. She walked out of that room so flustered and upset. <laughs> she was sitting there all smug and clearly trying to get her to stop digging kind of Lee effectively tells her case closed she calls him a coward and he brings up three years ago the murder suicide wasn't a suicide and you need to let this go my guess is now Conley could still be up to his knees in this but i have a feeling he may not be nearly as corrupt as our dear Kate just based on the conversation she had with Hank I think he knows some things probably about the pollution I don't think he knows anything about the the murder of Annie Kay and I feel as if Hank told Kate that information who told Connolly that information to get him to get his girl to stand down and that's effectively what happens kate meets up with hank in her car and requests that he kill otis to avoid liz finding the cave as she knows Connolly isn't going to stop her with the aim to be promoted chief of police 
something he was promised last time he did the mine a favor, except he only got paid in a broken promise. That explains where he got money and he wasted it all trying to find romance. Uh, And I also wrote in my notes at this moment before I got to the end that he most likely moved Annie Kay's body because he admitted in that moment, I'm not a killer. But he's willing to go that length because once again, he is at the end, I think, of the existence in which he can no longer pretend to be the better person if that makes sense like all I have left is the thing that I want (laughs) to go after is the chief of police job she points out she didn't know that Danvers was going to be sent here and there was politics but just do this one thing for me and also I never asked you to kill anyone this is not coming back to me Hank is a good old boy He's loyal. So if his master tells him to become a killer, that's exactly what he does. The thing is, if Connolly is a political animal, as Kate states, then he has to know that Liz is onto something, knowing that even with all of her baggage, she was and still admitted to being a better cop than him. So why wouldn't he take into consideration anything unless he's simply trying to protect her? Which is why I'm not thoroughly saying Ted's in it because it makes more sense that he would be, but it has seemed as if he's genuinely been trying to keep it, keep her at least uh, out of the claws of the of silver sky at the laundromat eve sees hair in the washer before kayla is once again in a scene kavik shows up having taken the rock as suspected with kenny who tells her it's a warning left for hunters where the ice would swallow them whole these pockets of thin ice lead to the caves which are called night country at the station Liz tells Eve it's done and that Connolly basically checkmated us, checkmated us due to what happened in the Wheeler case. She's still willing to take the risk, but they won't allow her access to the caves. While we still don't have any confirmation on who shot the husband in the Wheeler case, I'm starting to think it may have been Evangeline. <laughs> Because in the face of both situations in this episode, when things were not going by the law and it was time to face the music, it was Eve being like, nah, let's, uh, we did what we did. We did the Lord's work and (laughs) no one needs to be punished for sometimes what needs to happen because the Lord doesn't exist and it's just us out in these streets. Eve transfers the burden of Annie's death to Liz because she knows she did all she could do and would do to find her murderer. And now it's Liz who has to carry the weight of 
the fact that she will never get justice and leaves but not before letting leah out with both women in her life leaving in disappointment i just kept laughing at the desk clerk's face oh that's awkward hank goes to see Pryor, who tells him it's family business what's happening between liz and evangeline before hank relives a tale in which Pryor fell through the ice as a kid I do think he loves his son on a primordial level, but he's never treated his son with the love that he feels with him. And he expresses it in these moments where he's looking to take advantage of him. So it is semi abusive. Okay. It is abusive behavior. <laughs> It's the equation of love bombing. After you've done something wrong, you just come with some love bomb. Unfortunately, Liz may suffer the same fate if she's not too careful that you treat them not showing them the love you feel until you lose them or you're about to lose them in Hank's scenario rose helps eve pour julia's ashes into the ice but soon hears someone calling her name and is told to listen before being back to where her vehicle must have overturned during the war clearly a pivotal moment for her though one of those not very well fleshed out things in any purposeful way which i would have appreciated at least in dialogue since we keep going back here rose is able to help her escape certain death falling into the ice being swept into the ocean she had called out her name but she hadn't responded so she goes into these certain trances something eve is consistently being called towards liz goes to see leah with kayla once again prior's not here well I know where Pryor is because he's definitely not here. And where else would he be? Secondly, why wouldn't you think my would I would come asking for my daughter, stepdaughter first and not your husband? How about you keep your shit on your side of the table, ma'am? All right. And as far as this whole conversation with Leah in the bathtub, nah, nah, get your ass up out of that bathtub. I ain't asking you to come back over. You better, you was a fucking minor, okay? Legally, I am responsible to you. You can hate me with every bit of guts in your soul, okay? If you want to spend every afternoon after school at your grandma's house, fine, so be it. But when the lights go out, well, it's night country time right now. So, you know, at 8 p.m., your ass better be in this house. You can be up in your room mad all damn day, but you're going to be here where you legally belong and where I'm responsible for you. And Kayla, shut the fuck up and get out of my business. And another thing, if Pryor is out there trying to get justice for someone that fought the same things Leah is fighting for and you support her as a minor being all types of hormonal, as you should know, because you barely out of that same category. Why is that less important than me seeing the boy you used to be? 
I haven't given up on you. Get your ass up out of that tub. Put some clothes on. <laughs> I haven't given up on you. I haven't beaten you yet. I understand. It's a stepdaughter situation, so I feel less inclined. But oh my God, if this is the child I raised, well, we wouldn't even have this scenario because she wouldn't even have left soon as she would have packed her shit like what the fuck you think you doing <laughs> get your ass up upstairs <laughs> after hearing nine babies have died liz visits the church where they are all waiting to be buried in tiny coffins which is incredibly sad with the invention of social media i feel like they would make a better case not just protesting against the mind but making some visual record for the world to see which is kind of how things happen so you need a platform and why wouldn't that be the thing that leah you could do that doesn't involve you being out at a place of someone's business protesting when you you could be doing other things that and and you're young and this would be your realm hank's just creepily following liz around and it doesn't take long to realize that prior's laptop has been accessed by her father or by his father who found out about the wheeler case because he is a good detective and found out what really happened in the wheeler case because he he uh spotted a lot of inconsistencies and it makes sense right this is a person that was abused he's someone who was abused and his mentors thus far seem to have split and it doesn't make sense over this one case and while trying to figure that out, ends up realizing what they have done. They tampered with the evidence to cover up the murder of a monster. And while it wasn't what many would call justice, it was justice. <laughs> uh, for them in that moment, for the woman especially when you see the young photo of her versus the bruised photos of her each time. I did. I think I've already brought up my feelings about this as well. She tells him to stay at his because your dad isn't stupid and he doesn't have your best interests at heart. He's using you and involved in whatever is going on with the mind and is covering up or helping them cover up what could be happening. And the fact that he not only married an indigenous woman, but has a half indigenous child, why would he himself want to see his family also suffer? And his father is helping the people that would enact that type of uh, destruction on the community. Hank uh, comes in to be rebuffed. I'm sure he got all that seeing as there was only three people in the office and the walls are pretty thin and it's not like homegirl wasn't shouting. Of course, Pryor feels like a fool, takes the keys, tells him to don't fucking touch him. Don't come near him. 
I kind of love the shot of Eve just coming into Cavix with him awake and waiting for her to come in bed next to him to make that decision. Liz, who took heroin from the evidence locker, gets Otis from the rehab facility because he needs what he needs to be able to guide them and she needs him to guide them to find the cave. He tried to get high in the truck. They tried to get out. Then she's like, you forget you're going to go to jail if you do. She calls Navarro to meet at her place as they're going to the caves where Annie died because it's not over. Kavik begs Navarro to come back. They're giving me all of these signs right now that Navarro is not going to make it. And I don't know how I feel about it. Because on one hand, I love the character. But it does feel as if she's consistently, no matter who is around her. I really like her her connection to Kavik. But I also think it would be kind of tropish if... You know, I I clearly have strong feelings for you. I want to build a relationship with you. And that's the thing that brings her back. Because I think you need to be with yourself before you can open yourself to any of that. And with herself, she feels to be on a, a struggle. I don't think she sees... She's clearly connected to the spiritual world and she sees that as her fate. No matter how much she wants to avoid said fate. And and that worries me. So I don't know how I feel about it. <laughs> and if she sacrifices herself having to help the people she loved I, there's something to that, right? to the family that she was able to find in this community of Ennis. I still don't want it to happen <laughs> at all. So I hope I'm mistaken. Liz is able to get Otis to point out where they need to go before he has one last hit in the bathroom. She thinks Navarro is at her door. Instead, it turns out Hank's like, I'm not going to keep following you around, but he ha he's been following her around. So he knows that she picked up Otis because he's like, oh, I just want to, to know where he was. Oh, you didn't know he was here? Yeah, I'm just come to pick him up on a bogus warrant. So why didn't you pick him up? <laughs> How'd you even know I brought him here? Why didn't you go to the hospital? Liz is suspicious and wants to call Connolly, but Hank takes her gun and similarly executes Otis, despite Liz trying to convince him to simply walk away but in his mind, I don't have anything left. And I can get away with this because clearly you got away with this. But I don't, you're not doing it for the, the same reasons, right? You're trying to, you're killing an innocent guy who's just a junkie to cover up for a larger crime. Whereas they killed a man who committed a crime that was never going to be sorry for it and probably was only going to spend eight years in jail and get out in three 
because that seems to be what our fucking justice system does to a lot of women who are continuously battered. The moment Pryor has to decide was rough because he's confronted again between two slightly corrupt people, but for differing reasons. And the love that Hank has for his son is tainted. He's like, come on, just help me out. Don't choose her. But in the back of Hank's mind, the minute he sees his son show up, I mean, he had to know he was in the garage. Maybe he didn't. He didn't think none of the neighbors would hear the shot. He wasn't in his rational, in a rational state. But when he did see prior steady himself remember that he's an officer of the law don't allow yourself to be swayed back into the same abusive pattern that your father is putting you in i like the reaction from the actor hank and i think he does a really good job portraying the character that he portrayed even if it's unlikable and i think the more you feel that you hate a character is because they're realistically portraying someone that has rubbed you in that particular way. You know people like that. So he's authentic. <laughs> and I like that look from him. The resignation. It's broken! This is the path he chose. This is the path he continued to choose. And we all come to a point where we can go back. We can make a different decision. But... He was committed to his because he's like, Jesus Christ, why do you have to make this difficult? Not only shooting the man in the back, but casually shooting him in the skull. Uh, and he admits there's something you should know. I didn't kill Annie, but I did move her body, giving them the motivation they need that, yes, you're correct. You're right. I did have something to do with a crime for no other reason than my own personal gain. He tells his son, blood is blood. Don't forget that before pointing the gun at Liz so that he can enact a suicide by cop. The cop being his own son because he's that much of an asshole to put it on him. Oh, hi. Thanks for checking in. I'm still a piece of garbage. The thing is, some of these little monikers we use are just indoctrination type. Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Mm, philosophy? Right? Because there's the whole idea of stand by your man. Or <laughs> blood is blood. Blood's thicker than water. I'm sure I could think of some others. Those are the two that came to mind because I'm never going to jail for nobody's man. And if a man is a piece of shit, I am not standing behind him next to him. Either be, be walking beside me or you got to go. <laughs> I'm no, 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 no. Cause there are people who are like that are like, well, you stand by your man and he abuses you or, or does terrible things and you're sitting there being okay with it because you're living into this idea that that's the right, I, right way in which to live. That's bullshit. Same thing with blood is blood. Blood is 
what happened by chance. <laughs> Just because we're blood doesn't mean you have earned my loyalty. It's the same thing with kids when you're talking to kids like, oh, you're going to respect me. No, you need to earn their respect as much as you want them to be respecting you. Don't respect me and I'm sitting here slapping you in the face. Like, no, <laughs> you, you see the point I'm trying to make. Living into these soliloquies are ridiculous because they're they're just conformist ideas sometimes that have made up our society sometimes for the worst a lot of times for the worst Liz is freaked out I liked when we didn't even see the reaction of Evangeline coming in we just see her going up to the door and then they're all in the aftermath she wants to call Connolly, but Eve's training kicks in and she knows Connolly is involved somehow, some way, and that he is going to put Pryor's life or he's going to jeopardize Pryor's career or ruin him for doing the thing that they sent him to do, which at this point, if the mind is getting this desperate, that means they are getting way too close. And they have a small window of opportunity with the storm to get ahead of whatever the truth is. It takes prior agreeing for Liz to, to finally agree. Like that's the right call. That's the right move. Hank will have killed Otis, but he never was here. They will do the cleanup. And while trying to get rid of his, while Hank was trying to get rid of his body, uh, he had an accident and will never be found. Liz is still freaking out over the fact that Pryor had to kill his father and now he's okay cleaning up his own crime. But he agrees, no, I need to make peace with this on every level. Because in a lot of ways, it's also escaping the abuser that you've had your entire life, emotionally and physically. He makes both of them go to the caves. Eve tells him, you need to contact Rose, take her to where Julia is. And they are off to find the truth. And that's where we end the episode. I thought it was a very strong third act. And it certainly culminated in what felt like a very transitional phase for everyone involved how that is going to be unveiled in the last episode. I'm not quite sure, but I think that both of them may be heading towards their own moment of realization, whatever that realization needs to be. I think that for Liz moving on, appreciating life, not just stomping through it with no disregard for anyone else and that 
part of living means part of being hurt, part of being vulnerable. And for, for Evangeline, I think it's, I don't know, because on her way to fucking uh, Liz's house, the, the girl in the road pointed at her and it all seems like her fate is to listen and to hear a message because that message is for her. And that, I don't know, there's something going on here that's fascinating. I want to know more about it. I don't think I'm going to be given all the answers. And that's fine, I suppose. Because it's kind of fun that I don't get all the answers. I can sit in supposition until King Kong on Reddit if I really wanted to. And that's fine. It's a misstart. I will say that much. It's a misstart. It's not like everyone does it. And I think they've done it well enough that I'm not mad, mad about it. Just more like, oh, I wish I could have season, another season of this. (laughs) Which isn't the worst thing to feel at the end of a a series that we know we're not getting another season of these particular people. Lord, I have rambled on enough. We do have feedback. So let's hop into the mailbag. What up, Cena? It's Mimi. Uh, this is feedback for um, the True Detective Night Country um, episode five of season four. It's a, a little bit of episode four in there. Um, I watched it. I just didn't get to do feedback on it. I, as you already know, I had a, a pretty rough week last week. <laughs> but um, anyway... Um, the first thing I want to say is, um, I remember, the thing I remember most about episode four, I haven't listened to any of the new episodes on the podcast, I gotta get caught up, but, is that when, um, Evangeline, you know, after she got beat the hell up, and side note, the fact that those dudes felt like it was okay to jump a cop is crazy to me. Yes, she went and picked the fight, but they, like, jumped her. She's a woman. And she's a cop, and they felt like it was just fine. That's crazy to me. If a cop was trying to beat me up, I would record it, but not try and lay hands because I know how the cop gangs are. (laughs) But that's neither here nor there. I remember when I had a discussion with Darren because uh, she goes um, something like, you know, she was talking about how um, Danvers is is alone and she felt alone, um, and Dan- Danvers is like basically just a, a miserable ass person. And I wanted to say this because I, I, Darren and I had this conversation about about that. I was like, I understand that Danvers clearly went through some shit that we we're we're not privy to at this point. Um, we can assume that she had a husband, and she had a son, and they died probably from a drunk driver. So they she was taken they were taken from her very unexpectedly and it happened pretty quickly, which put her in the spiral that she's in. And and this is how I feel about it. And it might come off as morbid and, you know, as a person who is a you know, in the like a like a professional setting to help people, 
it's something that I, I grapple with and I think about just because of things I've seen. I think losing a child is like the worst thing that I could experience. Like if something happened to Derek and he was no longer on this plane of existence with me, I can tell you that I don't think I could carry on with my life. Like I don't feel like I would be beneficial to society. I don't think I would be a nice person. I don't think I would be a good person. I would be miserable and I don't know that I would want to be here anymore. And I say that to say is like, I feel like comparing trauma is a, 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 one of those silly ass things some people do. Like you can't, I can't compare, you know, something bad that happened to me with something that bad that's happened to you. Like a person that doesn't have kids can never understand what it feels like to lose a child. Someone who, you know, only have ever had like a really, really close parent and their parent died. That could be the only kind of thing that they they can compare it to. Someone who's never lost a person but knows what it's like to lose a job that they worked really hard for, something like that. So everybody's, like, you know, trauma and everyone's, like, grief from loss is different. But I feel like there's, like, there's two options in this world, and this is how I always feel about it. Either you want to stay on this plane of existence and you move forward or you don't. If you do stay... You can't use your grief as a reason to be a fucking asshole. And Danvers is a fucking, she's a fucking cunt. And I don't know how to explain it. She's fucking awful. The way she does with Pryor, the way she goes around just all willy-nilly fucking people's husbands. And she's a cop. So I, I strongly feel like if she wanted to hide it, I feel like she should be, should be able to do that. She doesn't hide it because I don't think she cares. And the fact that she keeps putting her whole ass face in the presence of these women knowing that she messed with their husband and they all know it too the whole town knows it so you're not even trying to be discreet and you don't even care that you slept with it like if, if i messed with somebody's husband knowingly knowing that they had a husband i would stay clear of that woman let me not put myself in a situation where i might have to lay hands on somebody to protect myself from an asshole but that i basically deserve she don't even care like, she went to that woman's house asking her husband to look at those uh, maps, knowing that she had smashed him, knowing that they are still together, and, and his wife knew. She could have easily just had, you know, prior go with uh, Evangeline, but no, she wanted to go because she's an asshole. And I think she secretly likes making other people miserable so that they can feel just as miserable as her. And that's my own opinion, and I think that's why I don't like her at all. Um... I, I want to find her, you know, relatable like you do, but I don't. I just, I find people like her really aggravating and infuriating because it's just, you can't be that way and expect, pe like, expect people to give you a pass just because something sh shitty happened to you. If you want to be on this earth and you want to be in this existence, then be there. And stop being an asshole just because you're miserable trying to make everybody else miserable. And that's, that's just my opinion of her and it took me this long to realize it and I'm gonna stop it here because I've already ranted enough um but I do want to talk about episode five because it, everything that happened was crazy to me I I figured there was some type of town cover-up I figured the Tulusa men were doing something that they have no business doing and someone found out um I just wasn't quite there yet I didn't quite get it um 
I figured they were going to try and cover it up. And I knew the dude she was smashing was going, he's too, too political. He's too much of an ambitious person to not get played when the person that's funding the entire town is going to be the one to try and cover it up. He, I feel like he's one of those people who'd be like, well, I don't see anything that's proof. So technically I'm not doing anything wrong because technically nothing illegal happened. And in his mind saying it was a freak, weather phenomenon makes sense so he's just gonna take it like it's not unheard of and it's actually makes the most sense and instead of like it's easier to explain away than you know some supernatural or some freak you know some you know i don't know supernatural cover-up or super i guess supernatural phenomenon that you know is trying to reconcile what's happening in this town so to me, it made sense that he did that. What I wasn't expecting is for Pryor's daddy to be, like, in the middle of all of it and even going as far as trying to cover things up. It's crazy to me. He's like, I'm not a killer. And I'm like, I don't know if you're saying that for her benefit or your own because I, I feel like you are. Um, when I feel like when you are in that, that um, when you do something that's very immoral it makes it easier to keep doing things immoral i don't know what he did you know prior to covering like moving anna's body um he said he didn't kill her he said he moved her he didn't say anything about you know staging the scene but i feel like it's safe to say he did like what like what's to stop you from doing something else for money like i that doesn't surprise me i i'm crazy I just, to me, it's just unheard of to me, the situation with Pryor. I did not think he had it in him to kill his daddy. I mean, I could see him, like, you know, jumping in front of the bullet. He seems like somebody that would do something like that. Or, like, you know, threatening to shoot his father. But he didn't hesitate. That shit blew me. Like, I, I'm just so, I guess, flabbergasted. It's just not what I expected I didn't expect it to be what it is and now I'm just trying to figure out what the hell is going on because Clark appears to be alive um we don't have um Otis anymore to you know take them to the um take them to the facility or I guess the ice caves, but he showed her where the highest point was. And I feel like, you know, if they have the map and Evangeline clearly knows the area well enough that she'll probably um, be able to figure out how to get there. Um, but the fact that they, like, have somewhere to hide the bodies, they also were like, oh, we can... Um, use the storm to cover up, you know, what's happening, cover, like, get, like, so we can hide these, uh, bodies, like, everything seems to be falling into place, but I'm just trying to figure out, like, the whole and scenario, like, so what exactly, what exactly happened, what happened to Anne, how does she fit into all this, I, I don't know, I, I want to know all this stuff, and I'm just, really interested in trying to figure it out um 
I did, like I said, I did like the um, episode. It was really good. I don't remember exactly what's happening, but I wanted to get this out today so I can watch the, the last one because I got to go back to work on Thursday. Um, after being off for, I was off for eight days. One of those days I just gave myself off because after the, the two days that I had at work, I wasn't about to give that job a third day to, to, to wreck my, my life. Um, so yeah, I, <laughs> I ended it there. Um, but you know, going back to work after, you know, everything that happened will be interesting, but I do want to finish the series. So I'll end it here until next time. Love, peace, hair, grease, and black girl magic. Queen of the couch, Mimi out. Thank you, Queen Mimi, with your thoughts on the last two episodes uh, and your very strong feelings regarding Liz and her behavior. I think I said this in the first or second episode. I'm going to be slightly biased on the on the actress anyway, because I love Jodie Foster. I've always loved Jodie Foster. I'm also probably more aesthetically pleased with the fact that Danvers is, in your words, not mine, uh, a, a cunt. I think that she is very standoffish, definitely not a likable character, certainly an asshole at times, based on your own perception of certain interactions. I can certainly see why that would be off-putting to watch, particularly in your quote-unquote protagonist. I find having a protagonist aesthetically not be the quintessential moral compass of the story and that has been remaining in Evangeline's uh, corner this entire time because she has a she has a certain strength that Liz lacks has done very well to play off of and not falls into a tropish way in which female characters are portrayed because yeah it's very unfortunate that any character that is unlikable is only evaluated through their unlikable characteristics making it easier for actual misogynists to then feel validated in calling them a bitch or so on and so forth so that now to be a female protagonist or antagonist, depending on what you're playing, you have to fall within certain characteristic traits that continue to push female narratives, whatever those narratives and struggles are backwards, because we cannot be seen as not within a certain way, portrayed in a certain manner and still be just as justified. I mean, just think about Liz if she was a man. You would still probably have the same exact feelings, right? I think your feelings are your feelings, not trying to convince you otherwise. But in just seeing it from a holistic standpoint, that's exactly the point. 
because we're much more keen to accept a male who's been through certain trauma and when they're an asshole like okay perfect example amos i love that amos is a character but amos gets a free pass on everything because of his trauma and he's likable but he was he's not always likable he's not always making the right calls and he's not always not being an asshole i mean if i had to sum up amos season six he was being an asshole many other male characters get that free pass for their for these exact type of brash off-putting sloppy with the sex all of that disregarding while female characters are held up to a certain standard and criticized more heavily and i and i really like the highlight of our female character being very much like i I think that's kind of part of it that's just part that's from a um let's say writing perspective in regards to the the show with the character of liz within the show because that's the other thing too why do we disregard the (laughs) times that amos may you know not be doing the best things you know when he tried to throw alex down the the mine shaft or when he couldn't understand why someone who tried to murder me wouldn't be cool walking around my hallways things like that and telling me that i need to get over it yeah we we know that because the other moments we see amos protecting children and knowing that he has a code and that it did stem from a very traumatic childhood put that same emphasis on liz i don't see her as using her trauma as a reason or as an excuse for her behavior i think it is a reason for her behavior but no i don't see her using an excuse for her behavior because people who do that at least in my experience often bring up said trauma to excuse their behavior whenever anyone calls them out on it and she's been called out on it the entire episode by the people who choose and have decided themselves to associate with her being the person that she is i think they made it clear that she's rather friendless that she doesn't have a lot of people that work with her that she isn't misery loves company as much as i live my life in a very selfish unaccountable manner and that explains why she'd be sleeping with married husbands but i noticed you brought up her actions and not the husbands i'm not married you're married i put that I had that conversation with someone else and you probably disagree with that, that uh, mindset and that's fair. But I also have of the opinion of someone going that doesn't have the attachment shouldn't have to be responsible for your attachments. Yeah, I may be a home wrecker, but I didn't come into your home to wreck it. Your husband's the one that was there. <laughs> now, if you stay and you're the, girlfriend or so on and so forth that might be a whole different situation but i think it's 
she's she's a hoe. She slept with anyone who was willing to sleep with her. And those men had commitment. And they had far more, in my opinion, uh, a reason to not than she had a reason to not. I don't owe anyone anything. You have a family. (laughs) That's just maybe my asshole take on it. Because that is their responsibility. And I think she did feel some shame because she did say, well, get in front of me. I think if she really had no shame, she would have just knocked on the, like she needed what she needed. And yes, yes, you're right. She could have just let me wait until the morning and go to your office. Yes, there, there definitely was room for a better way to have handled it. But I don't see her quite as brazenly going about her affairs as much as this is just something that's known is that she she drinks and she she likes to party (laughs) but I also think that the people around her may be deciding themselves that they can excuse her behavior because of her trauma but that's their choice And it is their choice to be around her. They don't seem to be offended or have as much beef with her persona. And the ones that do have it have spoken their piece. So I I don't know. I agree that she's an asshole to the way in which she could be better treating people. But the people around her, with the exception of Leah, Pryor certainly doesn't mind. neither does Evangeline. And I think that's because Evangeline has never not spoken her mind to, and she checks, she checks her a lot. I think he wasn't a killer in regards to Hank, but he was willing to be one. And that's why he said that line of, I'm not a killer. It's a denial of a fact that you didn't realize is the truth. And lastly, my theory, my crazy theory after this episode, which seems like a rather simple theory, sometimes the simplest explanations are that, is that Anne was fucking around with Clark at Salal. She found some evidence between the collusion of the mine, who she's been heavily protesting against. Uh, And then she wanted to blow the whistle. Clark and his buddies killed her. And worse, since she had kicking on her body after death, that means either Hank kicked her or before her body was found, people actually went up to her corpse and kicked her. And both are highly disturbing. And I think showcases the, the deep, seated the deep-seated racism going on between it wasn't that she spoke out it was that she spoke out she was indigenous and she was a woman all three of those markers were against her and now the question is who enacted revenge 
And right now it feels like it's Clark because that was his girl. Maybe he didn't do anything. Maybe Salal, the guys found her or she was like having an argument or something. And they were like, no, you can't allow this to happen. Things get out of control. They start going after her because after they said he's been like, he's lost his mind. He talks to himself. So yeah, maybe he decided in the spirit that they gonna handle business for what the crime they did and he was just too much of a coward to do anything about it or to to come out and say what happened so that's all i got and that's where i'm gonna leave it if you want to send feedback once again blackercouch at gmail.com or can leave a comment below my social media will be there as well like share subscribe until the next time peace hair grease blacker magic <laughs>